at different times in the night that would kind of shimmy our way around other cabins and would go down to the girls. And, and like, we must have done it four or five times going back and forth. Hello and welcome to episode seven. I'm your host, Kev. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating. And if you have any uh, questions or suggestions, please leave them in the comments below. If you need a little bit of a pick-me-up, we suggest Journey Made Coffee. Journey Made Coffee is located on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, Australia, and will handle all your caffeinated needs. If you use the code MYMATE at the checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. Today is Thursday, the 10th of September. In Australia, it's Are You OK Day. You don't have to be an expert to keep the conversation going when someone says they're not okay. By knowing what to say, you can help someone feel supported and access appropriate help long before they're in crisis, which makes a really positive difference in their life. To learn what to say after Are You Okay, please visit www.areyouok.org.au. Just a little bit of a trigger warning. One of the topics that comes up this week is uh, bullying uh, and how it affected us during high school and how it shaped uh, our, our ongoing adult life. Uh, listener discretion is advised. So without further ado, this is my mate, Luke. Luke, thank you very much for joining on my podcast. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. How does it feel to be on the other end of the microphone, so to speak? Oh, it's a very weird thing. I'm, I'm used to interviewing other people and, and thinking about how I'm going to get the best out of them. It's it's weird to be on this side and wonder what are we going to talk about. <laughs> it's a bit of a mystery at this point. So, uh, How are you doing, mate? How's your, how's your family? Yeah, going well, going well. I mean, COVID really hasn't affected us too much. We've been in kind of a self-quarantine because of my little kid's illness for the past, what has it been, six months now. So when COVID hit, we just kind of kept riding that that wave, kept being in, in isolation. Um, we've had, you know, like everyone else, work changes and things like that, but we've been able to push through. How about you guys? Um, honestly, mate, it's it's been business as usual. Um, everyone's been extremely lucky um, in that there's there's been zero cases. Um, although with the amount of snow and the amount of tourists up here this weekend, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what comes of it. So, yeah, I feel for those people on the great Western highway today. I was seeing, um, various people going on their snow trips up there, searching for snow and Oberon was the, um, hotspot. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, no. And the, um, the, the roads in and out of Oberon aren't really, really designed for, um, for heavy traffic. A lot of it's single lane. A lot of it's very, very windy, very, um, very scenic. Um, yep. but yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's going to be slow going, I think. So, so yeah. And the for black ice coming through Lithgow and past Mount Tomar there, like, ugh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As the, um, as, as all the snow sort of melts and it's still fairly cold on the road. Yeah. It's all going to turn to ice. It's, it's going to be fairly interesting. That's for sure. Mm. So, yeah. So Luke, who are you? Who am I? That's a very loaded question. I found that so interesting when you've asked all the other people, because, our go-to is to go for our profession. Mm -hmm. Our profession is what defines us. Mm -hmm. And so far, all of your guests have kind of leaned into that. Who am I? Um, I'm a guy who's striving to find happiness in his world. Wow. I'm not defined by my career because um, that only appeals or 
or uh, satisfies one element of me. Yep. So no, that's fair <laughs> enough. Very, so very good. It, yeah. In my pursuit for happiness, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a father first. I'm a teacher second. I'm a podcaster third. <laughs> I'm a husband somewhere in the mix in that order. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how are you enjoying the podcast world? It's really interesting. Um, I've been, I've been really overwhelmed by the kindness of some people, Mm -hmm. you know, um, starting out as a podcaster, you've got really low numbers. You're still learning how to interview. And my podcast typically reaches out to extraordinary people who have done amazing experiences and ask them to share it. And, you know, for small numbers, so many people have been so kind in sharing their experiences and inviting me to um, be part of their world. Like before this COVID happened, I was set to interview um, a paleontologist from the Australian National Museum. And I was actually going to go to the museum backstage and he was going to give me a tour. And like, you know, I'm just a guy That's and he so was cool. giving up his time for that. And then COVID happened and it all shut down. But <laughs> amazing that just some guy would, would be willing to share his life with me. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing in that regard. Um, so for, for the people that, that don't know and shame on you for, for not knowing, um, <laughs> tell the, uh, tell the listeners a little bit, a little bit about your podcast and your media company. <laughs> um, well, my podcast excuse me, is all under the media name Tumdrum Media. We have three podcasts under that that media name. And um, my personal podcast is called The Curious Audience. It originally started as kind of a finding out how movies mirrored reality. So we'd look at a movie like It and we'd talk to someone who's a professional clown and see how their impressions of the movie was. Um, it slowly kind of changed into an interview show, just learning about different people and then talking about movies separate. Um, the other podcast we have, which is going really strong at the moment, is called the Motor Racing Passion Podcast. And um, I'm just producing and editing that one. It's it's great to be the backstage person and let these four guys who love motorsport just talk about it and share their love of the races. And the last one we have is called Movie Relics, where we talk about the props behind some of the movies. Very, very cool. Um, I take it all three of your podcasts are available on all platforms. They sure are. Excellent. Very, very cool. How did you, um, how did you get into podcasting? Because knowing you all through high school, um, like there was, there was the drama nerds and then there was the, the EM nerds. And from memory, you weren't a part of either one of those crowds. No, I, I guess in high school, I was a very quiet person, um, reserved unless I really knew you. Um, and then I don't know, in adulthood, I got to a point where I wanted to test out YouTube, but didn't have the confidence behind the camera and the the video production. And I gathered all the equipment needed to do that, but still not really having that expertise. And so I started investigating audio and thought I would give podcasting a go with the intention of leading into YouTube Mm -hmm. and just loved podcasts. Sure. Still want to do that. Still want to go to YouTube, but uh, I'm one of those people who, you know, I'm so jealous of people who have a fixed passion. You know, I'm passionate about drawing or crafting or this type of car. I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. These sorts of platforms aren't designed for me who have an eclectic interest. You have to be focused, one focus. (laughs) I, um, 
I really have to put a lot of energy into being charismatic. And, and that's why I don't think I'll ever end up being on the glass end of the camera for YouTube or something like that. I, um, for, for whatever reason, like I, I can hold a conversation just fine doing a podcast, but you, you put a camera in front of me and I just, it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you freeze up or do you stumble? Uh, probably, honestly, probably a little bit of both. Um, I don't know. I've, I, I've never been a, a terribly, um, um, terribly extroverted or, or confident person, I suppose. So, uh, hiding, uh, hiding behind a mic with no video sort of suits me down to a T to be perfectly honest. And look, the, um, the, the, the conversations I'm having with, with my mates, uh, with this podcast is not, is not that huge it's really not that big a stretch. Um, I, I spend a lot of time um, due to like how remote I live. Um, I, I spend a lot of time on the phone anyway. So, and all my friends have been extremely generous with their time. So not a huge stretch. So interesting that you mentioned that just then that, that you felt like you weren't, you were kind of that quiet person because my perception of you in high school was complete opposite. <laughs> I, I felt like you were the kind of the friend of everybody and you were very confident, very sure of yourself. And I guess that's one thing I've taken. I've been very fascinated by being an adult now, especially, you know, attending high school reunions and things like that is the way I perceive myself in high school is not the way other people saw me. Mm. And you're almost, you know, hands tied behind your back by that perception. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's probably a good segue to lead on to, um, how, what's our history? How, how do we know each other? I was trying to think about that. So we were, we were kind of, we became really good friends from probably about year nine, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd always kind of known each other because we lived in the Blue Mountains and our school was about, I mean, it was 30 minutes away from my house. It would have been 20 from yours. Sure. And yep. we were always on the same train, bus, whatever form of transport that looked like. Yep. And I was friends with some people from my school and... Um, I guess it was a year nine at some point where I transitioned from that friend group and started hanging out with you. And then you introduced me to all of your friends. And then our group was kind of a mixture of three different groups. Yeah. Yep. Um, I found it very interesting because you were saying in, in a previous podcast, you went to a school in Lawson and I actually went, had a few days in that school. Yeah. But I wonder if, I don't think I was in your class. I think I was in the one above because I used to go there because my mum worked there. That's and right. So I, my school had pupil free days. I'd come to come to <laughs> school, which is a horrible cop out. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was actually wondering whether whether or not you'd remember that. So your your mum worked at at the primary school that I went to. What year did you finish primary school? I finished primary school. Oh, I would have finished the same year as you. So I started primary school too young. Yep. And so I ended up repeating grade five. Oh, okay. So that be in the same age group. I was always the oldest person in my class. No, I was always the youngest. Yep. The youngest. And I was, you know, being very shy and very reserved. It really crippled me as a learner. I couldn't really. So they made the choice in year five. I had a really good connection with that teacher. So I had that teacher twice and that put me in your grade. Okay. So you you finished in 94? I believe so. Started high school in 95. I think so. Yeah. I finished high school in 2000. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 
So, so you and I went to school together, um, and and you've already touched on what your what your perception um, or your impressions of me was. How did you find high school in general? Was it was it a nice experience for you, or was it was it not so nice, or was it a sort of mixture mixture of both? Or I think high school for me, uh, high school for me was kind of highs and lows. Um, I'm one of those kids who never really found their their niche or their passion. Mm. You know, we went through all the different electives and. I mean, I tried a lot of them and never really found one that that interests me. Yep. It was more like finding the, the lesser of two evils sort of thing. Yep. You know. Um, so all- in that regard, I was never challenged. Never found my passion. Sure. What about you? It's. I mean, look, it's it's a lot of pressure to put on. And let's face it, they're kids. We we were kids. A lot of pressure to put on kids to choose subjects, especially if you don't know, you know, what you want to what you want to do with your life. And, and let's face it, there's, there's not many people or not many kids, you know, 15, 16 year olds that, uh, you know, that have the foresight to choose, uh, choose electives and follow through with it. Yeah. Um, how was high school for mine? Um, up in, up until year 10, it was, it was actually pretty good. Um, I was, I was acing a lot of the subjects. Um, I had a lot of, um, I was sort of in and out of a few groups, but, uh, the, the, the group that I, um, I, I sort of um, hung out with the most was, was sort of our group, your group, the the group, which I, I don't I don't want to say there were outcasts from various different groups because that's um, it has a lot of ne- negative connotations. But there was it was a very um, a very broad spectrum of personalities. It wasn't just it wasn't just sports. It wasn't just music. It wasn't just drama. It wasn't just you know nerds. It was it was absolutely everything. And and I loved it. I loved I loved every person in it and uh you know um some some smaller groups would sort of uh attach themselves to ours and and uh hang out with us for a bit and then they'd go off and do their own thing so from um from 11 and 12 it was it was pretty miserable for me um i i think i held it together fairly well but um i i think um i think looking back at it um and and talking to a talking to a, a few professionals um, it was, I, I, I definitely had, uh, a chronic depression in 11 and 12. Um, and, and look, I guess back then in what 99, 2000 depression and anxiety and stuff like that wasn't as, as openly talked about and managed or anything like that as it is now. So I, I think, I think management for, for mental health has, has come a long, long way in the last sort of 20 years, but yeah, back then it was. It was sort of, um, it was pretty rough, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I got through it and, um, you know, no regrets. It was, um, it was good. It's, it's made me the person I am today. And I, I love the person I am today, which is awesome. And our group was, I, I see our group as kind of an anomaly. Like, like you say, there was kind of a core group that was probably 10 or 12 people. And then there was kind of smaller pockets of friends within that of four or five. And then there was people who would kind of bounce between that. Mm. But our group was an anomaly is that we didn't really get into the the typical tropes of later high school life. You know, I, I don't really know any of the people in our group who got heavily into drinking. Mm. Or, or I mean, I was the oldest person in our group. I turned 18 in year 12. I don't think I really got into having a drink down at the bar till I was 19 or 20. Sure. Like, we, we were still friends, you know, hanging out at bowling alleys and things like that, just enjoying each other's company. Yep. Um, and that was really weird. You know, we had people in our high school who would 
come to school drunk or we'd be smoking weed in the, at lunchtime, you know, all the classic things of high school. We, we just never really fell into that. No, it's, it's definitely been an eye opener for me. Um, cause I, I do a little bit, bit of photography as a side hustle and, um, I've, I've done a, I've done an, a couple of 18th birthday parties now and it was either, either we were really, really sheltered. Um, or the, the the kids nowadays are just absolutely wild. But it was it's it's definitely been an eye opener. I, I don't I honestly don't remember it being that rowdy when you and I were in high school. No, I I think we were quite sheltered. You know, we were happy to. I know we were just happy to enjoy each other's company, mm. hang out and go bike riding and go to the movies and things like that. Yep. Never, never really got too out of control. Now during high school, you never struck me as that big a nerd you were sort of skirting the 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 outsides of it um but uh did did you always have a um, have an interest or uh, a love for comics and and nostalgic movies and stuff like that um yes and no i i definitely developed a much more detailed fascination later on in life but even now i wouldn't say i'm in the nerd category, I enjoy films and I enjoyed the details of it, but I can't compete with, you know, whenever I talk to someone about Star Wars or something where the, the nerd fandom is so intense, <laughs> I, can't, I can't compete. I'm, I'm someone standing at the side who has more than the average Star Wars fan, but not as much as the, the diehard. So sure. I don't, I think I'm, I was just interested in everything. Yep. And, and as long as it captivated my, my, um, my interest and passion. I think that's where school really let me down is that, you know, I was interested in, say I was, in, I was interested in animals, loved animals, but the only two courses you could do if you were interested in that was biology where you had to cut up animals mm-hmm. or agriculture where you just had to feed the farm animals. Neither <laughs> satisfied my passion for animals. So yeah. that's where I kind of fell flat in high school. I mean, you did a lot of computing and business studies, if I remember right. Yeah, so I was I was uh, in, in 10, uh, I was pushed by a lot of teachers to do very high-level computing and very high-level maths um, and high-level science. So 11 and 12, I started off with the three sciences, um, bio, chem, and physics. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing three or four unit, I can't remember, uh, computing. And then I was, I was doing some ungodly amount of maths or something like that. And within six months, um, I, I honestly, I couldn't handle it. And if anything, it, it went very, very backwards from there. It went from there to a lack of interest in absolutely everything. And I, um, I, yeah, I really, really struggled in 11, 12 academically. So if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the group of friends, um, like, yeah, I, I, I hate to think what, um, where I would have ended up or what, what I would have ended up doing. But yeah, it was, it was definitely the, it was more the social aspect and, and the group of friends that kept me going for the, for, for those two years. So. So when it came to, I'm, I'm curious about this cause I'm, I'm interested how our own stories kind of connected with, with the HSC, which is, I'm not sure whether it's called HSC now, but when you did your HSC and when I did, did you use that certificate or the, the results you got to get you into a career? No, not at all. Um, no. I got into a, um, uh, I was extremely lucky. And what you're saying before about perception, I probably had a very different perception to who I was to maybe what outside people 
and and uh, not not just friends in school, but outside people in general. Because I actually got accepted into a private college in Sydney for media. Oh. Um, being a private college, unfortunately, they didn't have hex, so I couldn't afford to do it. It was something like twenty grand a twenty grand a month or something ridiculous like a twenty grand a term. Anyway, um, I couldn't afford to go. Mum and dad obviously couldn't afford to to send me through there, but they were they were blown away with um, with my portfolio and and what I put to them and stuff like that. And I never it, it wasn't until recently where I picked the media gig back up where. I look back and go, wow, like this, this academy is, this, this academy is still around. They're churning out, you know, actors and producers and, um, media personalities like crazy. And I, I, I got in there, I got accepted and I just, um, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's very, very odd. (laughs) It's an odd thing to reconcile with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, did you keep in contact with many school friends once you left? Um, I think as, well, what's it been now? I think it's been 20 years. Yeah. 20 years since we finished school. Um, probably the first five to 10 years I kept in contact with people now going on 20, there's probably only one person Mm -hmm. I still connect with. And that was the guy who I was closest with, um, in high school. Um, but even then, you know, life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. We're still good mates and, and like good mates, you can pick up whenever you left off. I cannot see him for six months and we can sit down grab a beer and everything's all back to where it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, people just drop off. I yep. think it's, it's an interesting development is that when our lives get busier and busier, like in TV shows where they share it, you know, you look at like friends and things like that. When they get a partner, the partner becomes part of the group. Yep. It doesn't seem to happen in real life. It pulls <laughs> the person away from the group. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's been the driving force in, in, um, the friendships that have drifted away. Mm. I, um, I, I kept in contact with uh, probably one or two, up for probably for the first five years. And then after that, we sort of drifted off. And it wasn't until, um, probably wasn't until I started nesting myself, probably about five years ago, did I start getting in, getting back in contact with others um, that I went to high school with that, um, that had such an effect on my life. And I don't know. It's it's been it's been so good reconnecting and seeing where everyone's um, everyone's ended up. So, um, and I, I guess um, I guess being a, being a father as well, um, starting to live through uh, the um, the the kids' experiences and relearning everything myself. Um, I guess it's um, I guess it brings up a lot of nostalgic feelings and um, yeah, it's it's nice to reconnect with uh, old people. Yeah. I've, I found um, as I got older and I reflected upon, you know, our high school years and what happened during those times, uh, it's so bizarre to say this, but at our 10-year reunion, I was so excited to see a couple of people because I genuinely, I went up to them and I said, I am so sorry that I was a dickhead to you in high school. And like, I wasn't, I wouldn't typically say, I wasn't a bully or anything like that. I was just a typical kid who, you know, had insecurities and things like that, but I did things to people who I'm like, oh my God, that was a real dick move. And that <laughs> kind of affected that person. And so I, at the reunion, I went up and I said, I am so sorry, I, I, you know, and that was so cathartic to me. Sure. I wonder how many people actually think back to that. And I, I've, I've met a couple of my, my own bullies as adults and they've tried to kind of be all friendly with me. And I'm like, you don't know how hard you made my life? Mm. You, it doesn't even compute? Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question about high school, if that's okay. Shoot. So you, 
when you left high school, you got pretty heavily into cars. Mm. I don't recall you being that into cars in high school. Um, it was, um, funnily enough, I think it was wholly and solely because of anime. Okay. There was, there, there is an anime, uh, there's, there's actually called, there, there's actually two animes, but the, the main anime, uh, that I, that I watched that I idolized is called Initial D and it, it revolves around a teenager and his, and his car and his, and his, um, tofu deliveries for his, for his father's restaurant. Um, so I, I watched a lot of that. Um, for, for me, I think cars was a, um, cars was a natural progression from push bikes in that it, it was freedom. It was time away from parents and being at home and it was able to get out and do your own thing and all that sort of stuff. And I, I suppose having a very strict, um, upbringing, um, that was sort of my, that was sort of my way out. So I hit the car scene ridiculously hard and I, I it, it, it was just a, it was just a combination of, uh, of cartoons and, um, and the freedom it had. Mm. <sighs> and <laughs> it was just such a money pit, man. I love it. I still yeah. love it. I still wish I had the, the time and space and, and money to do it, but it's just, it's such a money pit. It's such a really bad money pit. So yeah. You never got into into the car scene at all. No, but you're a, you're a big fan of motorsport. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's very, very tough to produce uh, a motorsport podcast when you're not a fan of it. Um, I tend to do a ton of research. Um, I'm learning new words every single episode because I have to put into context what my presenters are talking about so that I can work out what to edit or not. Sure. Um, yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> the other story I wanted to talk to you about is I, I wondered if you remembered. So I have this memory of one of a, a high school retreat we had. Oh, God. We were staying in cabins and the girls' cabins were – and like for people who don't know us, our group consisted of a, a handful of girls, a handful of guys. So in, in my memory, and granted my memory is a bit foggy, the girl cabins were like all the way down – one end of this 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 place, I think it might have been like Hidden Valley or something. I've yeah, and our cabins were in a completely different section, and it was you and me oh, at God. different times in the night that would kind of shift <laughs> our way around <laughs> other cabins and would oh, go down to no. the girls, and, and like we must have done it four or five times, going back and forth, bragging to the other boys in the cabin, and I have a feeling you and me might have not not together but in in different girls cabins might have fallen asleep on one of their floors or something i i want to say that it was it was hill end okay i think i think we were staying in uh, the old railway carts or something like that i can't i can't exactly remember it was i don't know I, I, ha- I have a few foggy memories of retreat as well. Um, <laughs> I remember doing that. I think our, one of our first retreats was camping on the Oval at high school. Yep. I remember that. And the big fruit fight. And the big fruit fight. And there was um, the the teacher's tents were, were split up between the male and the females, the boys and the girls down there. And I don't know, <laughs> shenanigans, absolute shenanigans. But yeah, I don't, I don't actually remember doing that. I remember... I remember someone getting 
not necessarily getting caught, but just absolutely falling asleep in one of the girls' cabins completely. Yeah. Well, not so innocently, but sort of, sort of innocently. And it just sort of going from there. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have I dug a hole you didn't want I to don't go know. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't remember. To be honest, a lot of my... Um, uh, I, I don't know if it's just age, but uh, a lot of the memories from high school, I can't... I don't know if I've purposely blanked them out or... I don't know. Um, a lot of the memories I've got from high school are, are pretty horrible. Um, for, for whatever reason, um, the, the horrible times sort of stuck with me more than the good times. Mm. Um, I remember... I remember staying like uh, sleeping over at a friend's place, almost all of us down at um, down at Penrith, and he had a pool and he had a he had a massive um, room just next to the little pool. And I remember spending a lot of summers there and a lot of movies and a, a lot of bad food and a lot of soft drink and yeah. a lot of pool and stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's sort of about that's it. Right. Yeah, you were. I I remember now because, like I said before, like our groups were together but separate, and mm. so. Uh, there were a couple of people that you were probably really good friends with that I really didn't have anything sure. to do. And the yeah, the person you're talking about with the pool party, um, is he the one who got got a little bit sick towards the end of high school? Yeah, yeah very very Remember sick. And then pool- and then he ended up leaving in eleven and twelve maybe. Yeah, um, which was a bit of a shame. And unf- he was one of those people that I I tried to um, I tried to get it back in contact with, and it just never ended up happening, unfortunately. So yeah. So yeah, um, year twelve formal. Do you remember it? <laughs> yeah, parts. See, this is this is what I mean by the two groups. Like we were one group, but we were separate groups. I can remember my little four or five people at the formal. I can't remember your little four or five people, but I remember year ten. We were all kind of together. We were definitely together. I, I, you know, I've got that that. We've got that quintessential formal photo where we're all standing there looking as awkward as possible. <laughs> uh, for some, let me paint a picture to the listeners. I was wearing a silver vest that had like it either had Mickey Mouse faces all over it or like Donald Duck faces. Like this is – I thought I was cool. <laughs> and I had a girlfriend at this point, so she thought I looked cool. This this is the sadness of 1998. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I um, God, I think I wore a a collarless, a Mandarin style black silk shirt. Ooh, silk. <laughs> yeah, which which basically uh, yeah epitomizes the uh, the the late 90s. It was it was it was good times. There was a lot of Backstreet Boys. There was a lot of Five. God, there was a lot of PlayStation. Yeah, the original PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah, were you into video games back in high school? Yes, heavily. And primary school, my friendship group were people who had the place, the 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 game systems that I didn't have. So like, I can rav- vividly remember various holidays where I would have to go and stay with my grandmother, and I befriended a boy who lived around the corner from her who had a Super Nintendo. Ah, nice. You know, I wonder how good of friends we would have been if he hadn't have had that. Super <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I'm sure other people can relate, but yeah, no, I Master System and, and PlayStation and yeah, loved it all. I remember uh, in high school, my console choice was wholly based on the fact that someone else had a PlayStation yeah. and it was, it was a toss up. I could buy a PlayStation and swap games or I could buy an Xbox and then we could bring both consoles around to someone's house and play them both. It was yeah. it was good times. Um, we used to have a lot of those. Um, like whenever a, f- a 
friend of our group had parties, they would have the time zone parties. Oh, yes. You Were you at the time zone party where we almost got mugged? Uh, I remember almost being mugged a few times, so you're going to have to narrow it down. Okay, <laughs> so this time zone party, we had um, time zone in Penrith was on the same street as a pizza hut, and so we were going to start and have an hour of time zone play at this time zone. We'd walk down the street to the pizza hut where our friend's dad was waiting for us. Yeah. So we'd gone down, we'd had lunch, we were heading back, and I think some of us were going to the the – the shops and some were going home and whatever. And this group of people passed us and kind of, you know, when you're going through that sort of town, they're, hey, you got yeah. any money? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we all said, no, no, no. And they passed. And then <laughs> I'm going to admit this. It was me. I said to someone, oh, I've got some money. I'm going to buy a PlayStation game. They heard that and then <laughs> came back after us. And one of our friends took off running and, he got pushed like everyone over. else just kind of walked. We stuck together. We were safety in numbers. But yeah. one of our friends took off and these two guys ran after him. And I remember him either being stopped or tripped over or something. And they started talking to him and we we were caught up in the, in the end. And I guess that's safety in numbers again. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that being a horrible experience. Yeah, yeah. And and such a such an intimidating group we were as well. But oh. Yeah, yeah. Not. <laughs> look, I um, I I I do remember that. I remember um, uh, I, I remember walking down that street in in Penrith, mm-hmm. and it was it was myself and uh my mate at the time um, and we we were a fair way back from from your sort of group that we're walking in front, and I remember I remember seeing this group of um, group of people, uh, group of guys approach you. And then something was said and something was exchanged. And then like you guys kept walking and they kept on walking. And then I remember them running after you. Someone else ran off and they, they pushed him or tripped him over or something horrible. And um, I remember myself and my mate at the time, we ran, like there was, there was a little bit more of a discussion. Uh, myself and, and my mate sort of ran down and, and then, yeah, it sort of dispersed. But, yeah, I do, like I said, horrible things. I, I tend to remember a little bit more vividly than than, uh, than the good times. So, I, I, I think that's human nature. But, you, you know, there are a lot of good times within that, I think. Mm. It's hard to remember those. But there are some really good times. Like, um, yeah, I, I can remember very clearly in high school the very first time I was allowed out to see a movie by myself. <laughs> yeah, um, so can I. Sadly, it was year nine. Can you believe? Year nine, um, it was 1998. I was allowed to catch the train, which was an hour away from the movie station, mm-hmm. uh, movie movie cinema. We caught it all the way down to Penrith, and the first movie I saw was Independence Day. Oh, I nice. I remember that so vividly. I wonder if I was there. Um, no, it was just me and another guy. Okay. So um, up until... Up until year 11, up until 1998, up until 99, whenever we were going to Penrith um, to go and see a movie or go and hang out or something like that, my mum would still drive me to Penrith. Really? Yeah. And then she would she would allow me to go off and meet with, with the group and then we'd okay. go and see a movie. She would go off and do, do her own thing. And when we were done, I was to go and meet her at a certain place. And then she'll yeah. drive me back home. So, yeah, 
Yeah, I had that dynamic too. When we finished high school and we were planning schoolies, um, again, our group was quite a reserve group. So mm. four people who I was closest with, we decided we were going to go to Port Macquarie and spend a week maybe. Yep. Um, and we were going to all drive up together, yep. not in my car, but in someone else's. My parents were not happy about that. And they really? forced me to go on the train. I had to catch the train all the way up to Port Macquarie. And um, someone else, one of the other people in the group um, joined me. Their parents must have felt the same. Wow. But yeah, like I was 18 then. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it's interesting the different, you know, things that parents decide and, you know, the worries that drive those. See, I, I had memories of you coming on schoolies with us, but obviously you didn't because we went to Jervis Bay. No, so um, the four people who I was closest with were another Luke, Amory, and Allison, and we all went to Port Macquarie together for a week. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, my my memory's memory's terrible then because I I swear I remember you guys coming with us as a, uh, as a big group. Not that I can recall. No. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um. Isn't it? Yeah, all the different things that you you come back to you. Mm. What did you do directly after high school? Um, I always, when my parents asked me what I wanted to do, I always said three things. Um, I either wanted to draw, be a cartoonist, work with animals, or work with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of cousins, and I was really, you know, I could keep them under control and keep them entertained and. Not a good reason to become a teacher, by the way, but that's that's what I felt. Um, my parents had kind of said to me I, they didn't think I was good enough to be a cartoonist. Um, I At that time, I was allergic to really fluffy animals. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who had a pet duck, and every time I stayed at his place, I ended up with a rash. Right. Um, it's probably because the duck slept on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, ducks can't hold their poos. I was not so don't, don't do that, listeners. No ducks in the faces. <laughs> um, so I ended up going into teaching, and I think it was a default because my mum worked at a school. Mm. It was the life she knew. Mm. So for that first year, I did a year of university, and I did a TAFE course at the same time. And so I was the idiot who would catch the train all the way down to Strathfield to go to uni. I'd do uni in the morning, come back up to Kingswood, and I'd have this little Razor scooter that I would rocket to and from the station to try and meet make my trains mm-hmm. and yes yeah, so I was doing doing that trying to get as much um, education or find a direction as I could and mm-hmm. I've been a what a preschool teacher for eight years an adult educator for three years and now I'm a primary school teacher and we're going on six or seven now okay which uh, which which age group have you enjoyed most um They've all had ups – no, not all had ups and downs. They've all had really great points and really um, negatives. So they both they're – all, they're all good. Yeah. Do you find that your experiences uh, during high school um, – I, I suppose much like parenting as well, um, you're experiencing – your experiences with, with your own mum and dad – um, how much has that influenced you? Because you're, you're obviously a teacher now. And you're obviously a father. How much of those previous experiences have influenced the way you approach teaching and approach being a dad? 
Um, as a dad, it doesn't really do too much at the moment. It's more recognizing that my weaknesses are going to get passed on to my kid and being adult enough that I can start dealing with them so that I can help my kid. Mm. Um, in terms of a teacher, I'm more aware of the kids who may be going through some sort of emotional um, issue. And, and we do a lot of professional development on that, you know, recognizing anxiety and depression, um, kids who have poor self-esteem or their, their wellness is not in a positive way. And we do as much as we can within the busy time schedule as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you as a father? Does that play on your mind? Um, I was, um, I've been extremely lucky with my upbringing um, from, from my mum and dad in that it was, it was very, very stable. Um, so it's, it's not like I have to like take all my negative experience or bad experiences from when I was growing up and then make sure that, or make a, make a conscious effort to change them so that, you know, my, my kid gets a, gets a better upbringing per se. It's just, there's, there's certain, certain things that, um, well, there's a lot of things that I agree with and there's a few things that I don't and those don't things I, I, I test out and some of them, some of them I've, I've tried out and I've called my mum and dad straight away and God, yeah, you're right. I, I totally get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really interesting to think about, you know, as parents now, what were our parents going through when we were doing X, Y, and Z, yeah. you know, cause they, they weren't one dimensional beings trying to be the, the, the mean people or anything. They were trying to balance their lives as well. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a little while ago, a couple of social media posts came up that your um, your kid was going through a few issues. Um, did you want to talk to tell the listeners or explain what was going on at the time? Yeah, no problems. Um, so my child now is about three years and seven months. Um, when he was two and a half, we noticed that he was getting a lot of bruises. He had a bruise on his forehead that just hadn't gone away. He had a temp that lasted a long time. And then he developed like a little pinprick rash on his legs. And so I took him into the the doctor. It was the first Monday of my school holidays. Yeah, I always remember that. Um, and within the space of like 72 hours with all the tests and multiple blood tests and failed blood tests, like that poor kid was a pin cushion after those 72 hours. Um, he got diagnosed with uh, leukemia, which, I mean, it's one of those defining moments where you just remember time standing still. And I remember at the time thinking there was way too many people in that room, you know, because <laughs> they, had, they had the doctors and the hematologists and then a whole bunch of students and support workers and things like that just watching us and how we would react. And, yeah, I mean, how do you deal with the unimaginable in the space of five seconds with 20 people watching you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it turned our life upside down. We um, rearranged our life. I stopped doing work so I could take him to all of his care and things like that. Um, luckily, he's, you know, on the road back now. He's been in remission since March. Um, by July in 2021, he will be completely cured. That's so good, man. Uh, it is. It is. It's It's going to be that thing that will continually haunt us, though. You know, we don't know what the side effects will be for the rest of his life. He's going to be more susceptible to cancer. It could come back, but we've got to be thankful that he will be better. And that's what this year's been about is is taking every little victory. You know, he used to have – it was so hard to kind of see him this way. 
but he used to have these two, I don't know what they're called, but basically cords coming out of his chest. Yep. Um, so they could connect him up to IV and chemo sure. and things like that. Um, I, I think they're called central lines. That's what they are. Yep. I, I should know that. I'm horrible at the terminology. Seriously, like asking the doctors about some of the medication, I have no clue. I'm like, can he have the the T medication now? It's the T one he's supposed to have. <laughs> no idea. I should have them written on flashcards. Um, yeah, once he had that removed, that was a milestone because he could then swim in the bath and and um, go in the pool. But it, it's it's such a hard thing, you know. You have you'd you'd feel that being a dad, the parenting um, drive or instinct to protect, to care for, and that overwhelming love, and to be able to see a stranger who's a medical professional want to put some poison in my kid who is hurting and both helping at the same time and, and you try and make logical sense of it and it just doesn't work. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a very logical scientific guy. I've asked some questions from the doctors and they haven't been able to give me definitive answers and it's just like, you should, you should really be able to communicate <laughs> that, you know, like, but it's, it's been one of those defining moments and it's really been interesting how it affected my friendship group as well. Cause I've had some friends, probably many friends, and this is, I'm sorry, guys and, and males out there, you're going to take a hit in this sentence. Males can't deal with this sort of stuff. I, I told a handful of my good friends and they had no idea what to say back. They're just like, I'm speechless. Yeah. Interesting. I found it interesting. I can laugh about it now. At the time, I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Were most of those males you told dads as well? Some were, some weren't. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we've had people who have always been there who always kind of touched base with us, which has been so wonderful. Um, and then we've just had people who couldn't deal with it. Mm. I've, I've, I've literally lost friends because of this because they can't process it. And so even just hanging out together, yep. even though, I, you know, I don't mention it, I, I can separate my times, it's too much for them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember... Um, like I've, I've always known that I've wanted to be a dad. Um, and, and I knew that, um, you know, being a dad would bring up feelings of, you know, being protective and, and this overwhelming, you know, feeling of love and all that sort of stuff. But it, it wasn't until, it wasn't until, uh, my son was born, um, that, that I, I did truly understand that. And it's, it's such an overwhelming feeling. It's, it's absolutely insane, but um, so my son was born two weeks, um, two weeks preemie and with really bad jaundice. So he was put in a, um, in a humidity crib under UV light and he had to be under there for, um, he had to be under there for almost a week on and off. Now for, for, for those that don't know, a humidity crib and a, and a UV light, it's basically a, it basically looks like a fish tank with a UV light over the top. And there's a, he has to lie on a UV light. He has to wear goggles to to protect his eyes and all that sort of stuff, which is like it's it's all safe and and like the the procedure worked and and it and it worked beautifully. But um, for that for that week when he was in there, I I couldn't go in and, and see him because I would I would get so upset. Um, and like I've I've got a photo because um, I've I've documented a lot. Um, I've, I've, I've got a photo of him in there and I like even looking at it now makes me very, very upset. So, and in, in the bigger scheme of things, I mean, you know, premature birth and, and 
jaundice has nothing on something like leukemia. So I can't, I can't fathom what you would have gone through. And the, the only explanation I can probably give you for some of these people maybe not being able to deal is it maybe brings up feelings or, um, I don't know, uh, makes, makes, you, makes people realize how, um, how precious and delicate you know, life, especially new life is. And I, I guess it's just a in-your-face reminder that you know, unfortunately, you, know, you, can, you can be healthy and beautiful and all that sort of good stuff. And, and these bad things, unfortunately, still happen. So, Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that it, there is actually a children's hospital just blew my I mean, I've always, you always know, like in the back of your mind, yeah. there is children's hospitals out there, but to actually be there and walk around it and spend a good part of six months there and see this, you're like, this should not exist. Mm. It should be a hospital for kids who fall out of trees <laughs> and like hurt their legs. But everything else, somehow kids should be immune. That's right. To Especially internal illness where it's like nothing has, there's no explanation. Yep. How was yeah. your experience at the hospital? Was everyone pretty good? Um, on, the, on the most part, they were really good. Um, you know, it's just like life. You have really good doctors. You have really amazing nurses. And then you have the odd one or two that are just really horrible. Um, in the same instance, you're on a, under a lot of stress. Sure. You know, for instance, to give your listeners a bit of an insight, our son is still immune compromised. So in any point in this time, if he spikes a temperature and it gets close to 38 or goes over 38, we take him down to the hospital and he has to stay there for 48 hours, no exception. So you think, like, just imagine putting your life on hold for 48 hours. Yep. You have to sleep in the bed next to him. Someone has to be with him at all times. And then during that night time you're there, so you're there for 48 hours, which is usually two nights, the nurses will come in and check his vitals every two hours. Mm -hmm. So you're woken up every two hours. And then the doctor comes in and tries to have a, a um, empathetic and intellectual conversation with you when you're so sleep deprived. Yeah. Yeah, so that that makes it really tough and really hard to kind of put things into perspective. And now that we haven't done that in such a long time, I can look back and go, oh, you know, this that person was so caring. And, and there are there is there are those nurses, especially nurses, who were just so empathetic and so caring to both me, my wife, and my son. You know, they they deserve so much more. Mm. I'm I'm very um. I'm very lucky to know a few nurses and they are um, outside of work. They are, they are some of the wildest, <laughs> funniest, uh, caring people that I know. Um, but yeah, as soon as they're on the job, I just, I, I can genuinely say, I don't know whether or not I could do their job. Yeah. So yes. Um, how long have you been married for? Um, must be getting close to 10 years now. No, 2012. So eight years. Eight years. <laughs> these are dates you have to know, man. You're not allowed to forget these well, dates. It's confusing because we always say married for so long and then together for so long. Ah, so yes. we've been together for 11 years and we've been married for eight. Okay. Did you, um, now your, your wife is Canadian. Yes. Um, she sounds extremely, extremely confident on a podcast, which, <laughs> which completely blew my mind. Um, how did you guys meet? And how did, like, has she got an experience doing media? Because 
she she sounds very very professional behind a microphone <laughs> i think part of that is the north american accent we just kind of expect that you know it sounds good in our ear because we're speaking <laughs> so much american um american media um she does all the ads for my media company and it sounds so good um she she's a business trainer so she's used to talking in front of people and being really professional so i think that's where it comes from sure yeah okay yeah no we met we met in rouse hill in 2009 she was um over here from canada doing some work and i'd just moved to the area in the hills district and we didn't really know anybody and so it was that instant click mm -hmm. we kind of leaned into each other and hung out and you know explored australia and and then went went to canada and explored canada for a few years excellent yeah incredible how, yeah uh, yeah how did you um how did you find canada uh, both amazing and incredibly hard at the same time. Um, you know, the best way I can describe it is if you're a fan of The Office, mm -hmm. at the end of The Office, Ed Helms' character Andy says he wished he knew that he was in the good times when he was in them rather than remembering them later. Yep. I, I'm that person. I, I once the, once, oops, Sorry about that. Once I'm away from the good times, I remember them so fondly. And so we had this huge, big going away party. And then the whole time I was in Canada trying to make new friends, all I was thinking was there was this amazing big group of friends back home. Mm. And it totally kind of shackled me a little bit. And it took me a while to get out of that. Um, but man, can I, can Canada, Canada <laughs> is, is beautiful. And you should visit there if you haven't like the snow it's just, and the people are so nice, mm -hmm. like so nice. And um, I used to work work over there teaching adults and people would compliment you. And no one ever does that in Australia. No one ever says, oh, I like the color of your shirt or you look really nice today or anything like that. And they would constantly do that. <laughs> so nice. It's so, so nice. <laughs> so, so there is some truth behind the stereotype? Oh, yes. They're very polite and very nice people. <laughs> There's also some, some very, very... Um, Average people just like us as well. Uh, it's yes. similar to Australia. Yeah. Was was the plan to see if you could settle down there or was or was it always going to be a holiday? The original plan was to stay. Um, I When I moved over there, I sold everything. I sold my surfboard. I sold my DVD collection. I was planning to stay. Um, but once we got there, finding work, well, finding work was was. You know, it was different. I had to step back a little bit from what I had done. Um, but initially what happened to us coming back was my dad got quite sick. And I, I always had the feeling that he was going to get sick later in life. And I wanted to be back to be with him. So that was always in the back of my mind. And then sadly, I, I got deported. I, I had a visa issue. Oh, <laughs> one of the most stressful times of my life. <laughs> Hang on. You, you got what? Yeah, I got, well, deported is not the right word. I Forced deportion, I guess, is the right word. That sounds even worse, man. It does. It does. <laughs> Look, my, v my working visa ran out and I applied for a new visa and I got the new visa. And it said on there, next time you go through an airport or a port, have this with you and they'll stamp your passport to make it official. Mm -hmm. That's what it said. But what it meant was you must go to an airport and port immediately uh -huh. and get it stamped. Now, I didn't do that, and I worked because I thought I was allowed to. <laughs> I worked for like four days. You know, it was after the Christmas break. I walked, worked for four days, 
I had a free afternoon. I'm going to head down to the American border, get everything stamped. And they said, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) They held me there and basically said, we are sending you home. What? And yeah, because I'd worked without a visa in their mind. Oh, man. And I'm like, but this is what it says. And they're like, no, no, this is what it means. And yeah, so I was down at that port for a good five or six hours. Um, We eventually in discussions with them, got them to kind of allow me to stay, but I was not allowed to work for something like six months and then I could reapply. And so we made the decision that we would be able to to get through that time. But in the end, I think we got through maybe three months of that and then we're like, no, you know, you're going nuts just being at home all the time. You know, you're starting to talk to the cats. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we made the choice to go, but I went back home and then, um, Marita followed me probably six months, six months later. Okay. And that was the second time we'd done six months apart. How's, how's the long-term relationship thing work? Do not do it. <laughs> never, never, never. Do not do it. We got through it twice, um, but there was a lot to repair afterwards. You know, you haven't been with someone for six months. You yep. grow apart. Absolutely. You need to spend time together and, yeah. I mean, good Lord, you can, you can live in the same house and still grow apart yes yeah i've always said love is not spelled l-o-v-e it's spelled (laughs) t-i-m-e absolutely um and sex for kids sex for kids is spelled (laughs) f-o-o-d um speaking of sex i wanted to talk to you a couple about a couple of the episodes of of your podcast the the uh the sex therapist being one of them um for for those okay so for, for those that haven't listened i i strongly recommend you go over and subscribe and binge listen um whether or not you're you're commuting to work which doesn't necessarily happen these days but if you're looking for looking if you're looking if you're lis- looking for something to listen to is that yep. a thing is that how you word it i guess so yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for something to listen to uh curious the audience i, I highly highly recommend it um Sex therapist. How did that come about? Um, originally, it was it was in the old old podcast days where we were we were planning on talking about American Pie because American Pie was going to celebrate its twentieth anniversary in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and so we'd reached out to talk to a sex therapist to talk about some of the elements in that film. Uh, yeah, kind of progressed and talk about the dad and things like that. And we'd found someone and she was very keen to talk about it. And and then everything happened with my kids. So everything got put on hold. And this is what I mean, the kindness of people. I reached out to this person this year and she's still very keen to chat to me. We reworked the episode and talked about sex therapy and guys' faulty bits and things like that. Very interesting and entertaining. Um, it's just amazing. Like that's been one of my favorite episodes. Um, the one where I talked to the the marine biologist and shark wrangler is my all time favorite. It's the only episode I've never I didn't edit. It was perfect from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my chat with Yowie Dan, <laughs> talking about Yowies in the Australian bush, and I mean, it these episodes. If you listen to those three episodes, they'll lead you down a wormhole. You know, you'll end up researching <laughs> Yowies, listening to encounters, and and finding out about your local environment. If you listen to the shark one, you'll end up watching YouTube clips of shark wranglers and air jaws. And 
you know, sex therapist, I, I'm not even going to tell you what tunnel you're going to Whatever you end up Googling, just uh, just keep it to yourself yeah, pretty much. Yeah, see the history. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for, for those out there that are looking to getting into podcasting, What's the uh, what's what's the super simple pro uh, process to to do it? Um, watch a lot of YouTube videos on how to do it. Um, use you can use an editing software called Audacity, and there are so many USB microphones out there. Um, I mean, even just running it through Skype, there's programs where you can record directly from Skype mm-hmm. and just find your own um, find your way little bit by little bit if you love it. I mean, hell, you can reach out to, to my media company, your media company. I'm producing podcasts for people. Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> Are you hoping to make it a full-time gig? Um, no, I don't, I don't think podcasting, I mean, it would be great, but it's such a hard um, industry and there are so many people, and especially being in COVID now, mm. so many celebrities have turned turn to it i mean this week alone i found three new podcasts that i've been listening to which i love but at the same time i love them i'm saying damn you celebrity get in your own lane you're on tv get out of my lane yeah i remember there were some very very unhappy uh youtubers when uh, i think it was will smith Oh yeah. Created a YouTube channel and like straight up there was like five million subscribers or something crazy like that. And they're like, uh, like you know, there, there's some YouTubers that have been working for you know five, ten years and they've only just been able to to yeah. break the one mil. So I feel for them. Absolutely, oh, I do. Totally. It's supposed to be an amateur platform. Mm. You know, uh, someone who has multi million dollars and a whole team of professionals behind them. But... That's right. Yeah. Your media company and your podcast. Do you want to give them a, a quick plug? Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, if you want to look for the curious audience on Instagram, we have our link there for Tom Drum Media. And um, you can find all of our podcasts from there. Um, yeah, it's really worth a listen. This week on um, the Motor Racing Passion, they're talking about the amazing spectacle of Indy 500, which is occurring in America at the moment. And I mean, I've just been learning about it, and I didn't know that when the racers won the race, they always typically drink milk. Mm-hmm. And and nowadays, you know, in our world where, you know, we want to be as inclusive as possible, they ask the drivers what type of milk you want to drink. So they're not giving lactose intolerant milk, you know, to, to you know, having people farting on the on the grid. <laughs> but I just thought, imagine if you just won the Indy 500, the most amazing race in the world, and the milk you choose is like a strawberry oak like how how low does your, <laughs> does your reputation go when you're quaffing strawberry milk on the the pit lane oh <laughs> uh, yes yeah. so, look I, I suppose it can't be any worse than drinking out of your uh, your driving shoe oh yeah i don't understand that <sighs> I, I really we're going to be talking about that at, at some point on the podcast because uh yeah i i've got a really good understanding of what's going on there <laughs> <laughs> no very very cool well look um it would be um, it would be absolutely phenomenal if we could have some sort of uh, round table soon with um, with yourself and your wife and a few of your friends and and uh, and maybe do a deep dive into a, a couple of um, very cult classicy movies. But um, mate, up until then, um, I don't know. We we sort of got just got to ride Corona out. But um, it'd be nice to uh, catch up in person. That'd be really good. Yeah. No, no worries. Look, thank you so much for. Um, 
for taking the time and being on the podcast. And um, yeah, I um, I look forward to uh, binge watching the next uh, the next couple of episodes of yours. Awesome! Yeah, next season starts September fourteen, so get ready for that. September fourteen. Yeah, taking a break. Very, very <laughs> cool. All right, man. Thank you very much for your time. No problem. I'll catch up with you later. Thanks, guys. See you, mate. The opinions or views expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the host or guest and do not represent those of the people, institutions, or organizations that the host or guest may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.